0: Hello, I'm Jared, by the way. Um, Will you guys pray with me before we get started this morning? Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you today and we just declare and we thank you for how worthy you truly are. God, without you, what is this life? What are we doing here? God, you are worthy of all the praise and all the glory forever and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. So a couple things this morning. It's good to see everybody. Good to be here. Um, I think I've probably preached here, um, I don't know, 30 or 40 times over the past 10 years since Pastor Scott got here. I think this is probably the second or the third that I've actually preached with Pastor Scott here. So (laughs) if I seem a little jittery, right, it's because the big guy's sitting in the front row, right? but we've learned a lot from him. I think you'll see in my in my message day a couple of inspirations from Pastor Scott. I'm going to tell you the definitions of a couple names. I'm going to dive into a couple Greek words from the Bible. So um, we're all the better for the influence. So thank you, Pastor Scott. Thanks for being here this morning, um, and thanks for being so open and honest with all of us and what you're what you're going through. So we can pray for you and lift you and your family up. Um, before I really get into the meat of the message, which I don't even know what I'm going to talk about now because Pastor Scott talked about storms and being on a ship and Jesus waking up and calming the seas, which is a big part of the Jonah story, in case you didn't know. And then Sandra, Sandra comes up and talks about Jonah too. So like all of the meat's gone. I'm just going to do like a 20-minute stand-up for you guys, and then we'll, then we'll head out of here. Um, no, but before we, before we dive in, I think it's um, really appropriate just to, to dive into a couple things um, about uh, parenthood. I think you all know I have a two-year-old daughter. She turned two Uh, Three weeks ago now, Um, it's just going by so quickly. So just a couple quick stories. I just want to be open and honest with you. As I come to preach, I like to preach to to you all, but also to myself, because I need the work at least as much as you guys do. Um, I just happen to have the microphone. So for everybody who thinks that maybe I'm sitting up here as somebody who knows all the answers and has everything together, let me just tell you that this morning, Samantha sent me to get Laurel in a dress. And I put her in three different shirts, thinking they were all too small. They, were like, they looked like dresses to me, uh, but they were just shirts. So we took one, put it on, and it was like, this is too small. Let's put it in a too small bucket. Another one, this one's too, all of the dresses are too small. I finally get her in one that's like maybe appropriate. And then I go to Samantha, and she's like, Jared, those are all tank tops. It's like. Awesome. Awesome. The tank top, the dresses are on like the end section. They just look the same kind of because she's small and they're small. So if you think I've got it all together today, I promise you I do not. Um, I just happen to be sitting up here on stage and uh, hopefully we can learn something together from Jonah this morning. Um, second quick um, little story. So we were hanging out at our house with some of our friends. It's probably a couple months ago now. Um, And we were just talking, um, reminiscing on growing up at church. There was a bunch of us that had grown up here at Pine Castle. um, And we were were having a good time. And then one of um, the guys who was over, um, I'm not going to say his name because a lot lot of you probably know who he is, um, goes to to Samantha and is like, do you remember the, the motions to Lamb of God? And she's like, yeah, I know them. And he's like, well, I know them too. Let's do it right now. And Samantha, I don't know if you know this. She hates that I'm even talking about her in front of everyone. But it's just like, absolutely not. I'm not going to get up and do the motions of the Lamb of God. And he did the motions. And it's crazy. that We learned that, what, probably 20 years ago now. Um, And just as a a testament is the things that you teach your children today, whether they're still actually children or whether they're grownups or adults, are going to stick with them forever right or for at least a very long time and you get a choice every time you interact with someone anyone whether it's your child or not to sow a seed and we just want to be really conscious of the seeds that we sow and make sure they're seeds that are going to grow and bear good fruit and not anything else so as you as you leave here today which we still got a whole message to do but let's think and be really intentional about the seeds that we're sowing in the lives of our children in the lives of our friends in the lives of our family and the lives of anyone we come in contact with and let's pray that God allows those seeds that we sow to bear good fruit for his glory and for his kingdom. Awesome. So those are just a couple things real quick. We're going to dive into, um, into the story of Jonah a little bit uh, but a few weeks ago and this is actually I was supposed to preach I guess probably like six weeks ago now eight weeks ago um, Pastor Scott was able to be in town so I actually didn't and we pocketed this message for today. Um, but when I was thinking about what hero I wanted to talk about, I was like, how do you even do this, right? We've been on the Heroes series for like, I don't know, 10, 15 weeks, so you've got a bunch of heroes that are like the really famous ones that are kind of off the table now, right? We talked about Moses, we talked about Gideon, talked about David, so who am I going to preach about? And then I turn on the news one morning, and there's this story about this guy who got swallowed by a whale. Did you guys hear the story? It's like, for real, it happens, and I'll just read a little bit from the the Cape Cod Times. Um, June 20th, a veteran lobster diver named Michael Packard entered the water for his second dive of the day. He's down there. He sees a school of fish coming towards him, and then all of a sudden, everything's black. He can't see anything. He thinks he's been swallowed by a great white shark, but he's got his dive gear on, right, so he can breathe still, and he realizes, like, well, I'm not noticeably injured. I don't think I'm getting bitten right now everything seems to be fine and then so he realizes that he's in a whale he's in the whale for like 45 to 50 seconds he then the whale surfaces and I guess you can see a little bit of light either through the mouth or maybe through the blowhole not really sure and he starts to like thrash around and the whale spits him out and so I see this story and I'm like well I guess I'll preach on Jonah (laughs) And and, and so here we are it's crazy that that actually happened. This guy's in the... And I don't know, swallowed kind of is like a loose... It says in the article that he was swallowed, but I don't think he was like in the stomach. He's just like in the mouth. But still, like, it's crazy. It's crazy. And so it's a humpback whale. There's a guy on the boat watching him dive who like attests to the same exact story. Crazy. Whales, Humpback whales don't eat people. So it was like a big accident where he just happened to be swallowed by a whale. So... That's, so that's how, that's how we got here. That's why we're going to talk about Jonah today. So about 750 years before the birth of Christ, that's the story of Jonah. So somewhere around 800 years before Jesus is napping on the boat in Mark chapter 4, you've got Jonah taking this journey to run away from his destiny. And that's why this one was a safe bet for me, because I knew Pastor Scott wouldn't have talked about Jonah yet. Because he's not really a hero, so I was like very safe to choose for the message. That's why I put on the notes, undercover hero, right? Jonah, undercover hero. Because he's not really super heroic, but if we can take a lesson from his life, and then here we are thousands of years later, and use that lesson to learn something about ourselves and about God and about what we should be doing, You know, that's pretty heroic to me to still be making a difference thousands of years after your lifetime, so he qualified, so that's what we're going to talk about. In the spirit of heroism, you know, Jonah kind of switches throughout the story. He's kind of like a villain, he's kind of like a hero, and then he turns out to be this sour old guy who's just not very happy about what God had him do, and that's what we're going to talk about today because there's a lot of that in my life. I identify a lot with Jonah. Jonah. And because I do, I feel like maybe some of you out there might as well. So we're going to talk about that for a little bit. So let's dive in. We're just going to look at Jonah chapter 1. And I'm going to read. I've got a couple things to say. And uh, hopefully God will speak while we're at it. Let's, Let's pray before we get into the word. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I just come to you today and I ask that you use my words, that you use this time that we're spending together for your glory. God, I know that alone my words mean nothing. So speak to us today. Speak to me. Speak to all of those who are here. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So the first verse, it says, The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amitai, right? And here's where we get it. So Jonah means dove, where Amitai means my truth. So you've got dove, son of my truth. This guy was destined from the beginning to do something great right? Dove. What do you think of when you hear the word dove? Like the Holy Spirit and coming, to, coming down and peace. And the dove is what rescued us while we were on the ark, right? The dove went out and grabbed the olive branch and it's got this rich history and symbolism of being great. And his father's name is My Truth, right? So you've got this guy who from the beginning was going to deliver a message, right? The, the dove left Noah's ark and it came back with a message that things are getting better right? Things are recovering. Things are moving the right direction. So you've got this guy who is named after a message of hope because that's what the dove was. It was a message of hope. And then not surprisingly to probably him or his father, the word of the Lord comes to him, which should not have been a surprise. And he says, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. This was expected. It's not like He was some guy who was in the middle of nowhere, and then all of a sudden, God said, go go talk to people. He should have been preparing. He was preparing to deliver a message of hope. But then when that message comes, he doesn't like the way that it sounds. So instead of doing what God says and going to deliver the message, he spins around and he runs the other way. He was ready and prepared to serve God right up until the point God said, well, go do that. Who, that has that happened to somebody else? Has that have, have you guys ever been in that boat where, I'm ready to serve God. I'm, God, I'm ready to do whatever it is that you need me to do. And he's like, okay, well, go do this. He's like, "Oh, actually, <laughs> not, not that. <laughs> anything else, anything else. Take something else. Right? I've been there. You've probably been there. And that brings us to point number one. God is in control. And he has absolutely no problem moving you out of your comfort zone. No problem at all. Let's think about this. Which hero in the Bible did God say, you're doing great, just chill? None. Abraham had to move. Everybody had to do something. Moses had to move. Isaac had to move. Isaac almost got killed. Like, Jesus had to go. David had to fight. Saul turned to Paul. He was blind. He was shipwrecked. Like, Jesus, God, when they say you need to go and do this, it is not going to be comfortable, right? We have to be prepared to get out of our comfort zone, or we're never going to go where he wants us to go, right? So let's keep going here. Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed to Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed to Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Now, this isn't in your notes But what did Jonah have to do to get on the boat? He had to pay a fee. There's always a cost when we choose to disobey God. There's always a cost. It always will cost you something when God says, go do this, and you say, I'm going to go do that instead. Because what God has for you is always the richest. It's always the best. It's always the highest. And when we choose to do something else, at the very least, we're leaving that on the table. At the very most, it could cost us a lot. And that's something that we think we should be thinking about as we're choosing. Like, there's micro-choices every day. I chose to wear this short-sleeved shirt not knowing Scott would be here in a jacket. Right? Like, who knows, right? I'm leaving. I could have left something on the table had I worn my blazer. There's micro-choices all the time. And we need to be looking through them in the lens of what does God want? What does God have for me? Am I choosing this to be comfortable or am I choosing this to serve the Lord? Because if you're choosing it to be comfortable, there's a fare to pay, right? There's a fare to pay to get onto that ship. So, the Lord then sent a great wind on the sea and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All of the sailors were afraid and cried out to their own gods. Then they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck, where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. Interesting. Did we just read the same exact story, right? Jonah is down below, sleeping through the midst of a turbulent, turbulent storm. The sailors up top are freaking out. They're throwing things overboard. These are the things that they were going to sell on their voyage. This is their livelihood. They're saying... I don't care about making money. I don't care about doing this. All I want to do is survive. And they're throwing things overboard. The captain went down and said, how can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice and we will not perish. Then the sailors said, let's cast lots and see who's responsible for the calamity. They cast lots and they fell on Jonah. So they asked him, tell us who is responsible for making all this trouble. What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? From what people are you? And he answered, I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven who made the sea and the land. This terrified them, and they asked, what have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord because he'd already told them. The seas were getting rougher and rougher, so they asked him, what should we do to make the sea calm down? Pick me up, and throw me into the sea, he replied, and, I, and it will become calm. I know it is my fault that the great storm has come upon you. And so at this point in the story, we've really got three different groups of people or three different characters, if you will. You've got the sailors. You've got the Ninevites, the people from Nineveh. I went with Ninevites when I was preparing the message. I think it's right. The Ninevites. And you've got Jonah. And there's a message here for all three of those groups i think all three of those groups still exist today right you've got the sailors in the story and they were the same as the disciples in the story that pastor scott told earlier they are in dire need right now they have had tragedy befall them they don't know how they're going to survive they don't know if they're going to make it they don't know if they're going to be all right and they are calling out on god in this story the sailors are calling out on their own gods The disciples were calling out upon jesus right so we've made some progress there but there are probably some sailors in this room right now maybe you're here at church today because you are a sailor today and you are on a ship and the sea is rocky and you do not know if you're going to make it well there's a message for the sailors and it's a and it's a a great message right and it's that god Is here for you today Jonah was sleeping on the boat he said God will save you here's what you do God's still saying the same thing today God is here he's in the boat and he will save you he is willing to save next you've got the Ninevites and these are people who aren't walking with God God actually has to send a messenger to them to tell them they're not doing the right thing you might be a Ninevite. You're just here out of, out of good fortune and a blessing from God, right? Just thank, thank goodness you're here today. You might know a Ninevite. You might know someone in your life who's not walking with the Lord. You might know someone who's doing something wrong. You might know someone who's not doing what they should be doing. And what does God say? I love this about our God. He sees the wickedness in the Ninevites, but instead of smiting them, instead of sending a plague or a deadly virus, what does he do? He sends someone to share his love what is God saying to the Ninevites this morning he's saying it's going to be okay I'm sending someone to help you might be that someone you might be a sailor or you might be a Jonah and Jonah knows what he's supposed to do he's just not doing it right so what is God saying to the Jonah's if you're a sailor he's saying don't worry help is on the way If you're a Ninevite, he's saying, I love you so much, I'm sending someone to help. And if you're Jonah, what's he saying? He's saying, jump. Jump overboard. You need to get off the boat. You need to turn around and you need to go the other direction. There's two different words that I think bring this full circle in the New Testament. It's uh, metaneo, which means to repent, and epistrophe, which means to turn around. The two words are used together twice in the book of Acts. One is Acts 3.19. It says, repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out and that a time of refreshing may come from the Lord. Okay, it's used again in Acts 26, verse 20. It says, first to those in Damascus, then to those in Jerusalem, then Judea, then to the Gentiles, I preached that they should repent and turn to God and demonstrate repentance for their deeds. That's the power of what God is asking Jonah to do. He's saying, Jonah, get off the boat, if you want to save the sailors around you, if you want to save the Ninevites, if you want to save yourself, you need to jump off the boats. That's from point number two. Even when things are dark, God won't give up on you, right? You've got these three different groups. You've got the Ninevites who are months away from being destroyed because of their wickedness. You've got the sailors who are moments away from being destroyed because of the sea, and then you've got Jonah who knows what's to deal, do, but doesn't have the courage, doesn't have the ability, doesn't have the desire to go and do it, because you know what? He doesn't jump. Jonah doesn't jump into the ocean. He could. I didn't think about that until I started preparing for this. Jonah could have dove off the boat, but he doesn't. Instead, he says, throw me into the sea. And there's a difference there, right? And I like this. Instead, the men did their best to row back to land, but they could not, and the sea grew even wilder than before. He tells these sailors who hadn't known him that long at this point, just throw me over and everything will be fine. They say, no, we can't just throw you over, you'll die. They they work and they work and they row and they row and they try their best. And that's why this is important, is because if you're a Jonah, or if you're a Ninevite, or if you're a sailor, sometimes there will be a moment where you cannot do it by yourself. You cannot do it on your own. And so you want to surround yourself with people who are like these sailors, people who will work and work and work to try and help and help and help, but then when they realize that you need to get back on God's plan, they are willing to throw you overboard. Say. Return to God. There's nothing that I can do as your friend. There's nothing I can do to help you anymore. And I see that you're not going to jump. So let me toss you. Right? Then they cried out to the Lord Lord, please do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man. For you, Lord, have done as you pleased. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. At this point, the men greatly feared the Lord. They offered a sacrifice to him and made vows to him as well. Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the whale for three days and three nights. There's a lot to unpack there, right? We've got these three groups of people. We've got God doing different things in their lives. We've got this group of sailors who were the friends of Jonah, who were there for Jonah, who helped try and save Jonah, and try and save Jonah, and try and save Jonah, and they realize. That he needs to trust in God, that they can't save him on their own, and they say, We'll help you out. And they throw him overboard. Imagine the turmoil. Imagine you're on this, I can't imagine, honestly. Like, you're on this ship, it's made of wood, you're in the middle of this ocean, and it's just raging. The storm is raging. Like, you're thinking a million miles a second, like everything is going crazy around you. And then it's calm. And we get this, chapter two of the book of Jonah is like this beautiful poem. And it's crazy that the guy who writes this poem, the guy who says these words, is the same guy. He knows the same things about God when he's writing this that he did when he decided he was going to run the other way. And it's this beautiful prayer to God, this beautiful prayer of repentance, because once he jumped, things changed, right? Once he was thrown over, things change. He had to trust in God. That's the switch. And he starts the prayer saying, in my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From the realm of the, from deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. And it ends with, but I shout, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What? I have vowed I will make good. I will say salvation comes from the Lord. It's beautiful. In my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. What I have vowed I will make good. I will say salvation comes from the Lord. This is the answer to the prayer the sailors had on the ship when they were crying out to their gods. This is the answer to the prayer that the Ninevites had not yet prayed when they went and begged for repentance. And out of the three characters, Jonah gets there first. He realizes in the sea, I need God. I was a dove. I've been destined for a great message. I was always going to do something great. But I didn't want to do it his way. And I realize now that I need to. Let's pray let's pray this prayer together as a group and I just want you to think in your head of a few different things. If you're a sailor and the sea is rocky today and you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow and you're scared and you're concerned and you're confused and things are moving a million miles an hour pray this prayer. If you know a Ninevite who's walking away from God, who's not doing what they know they need to do, pray this prayer. If you're Jonah, and you know what you should be doing, but you're not, if you feel like you're committed, but you know you're not, pray this prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, in our distress, we call to you. And Lord, we thank you that you are answering us. God, from the realm of the dead, we've called for your help. We don't know what else to do. And God, we thank you that you listen to our cries. And God, with shouts of grateful praise, we take our lives and we make them sacrifices to you. Use us, move us, take us. God, what we have vowed, make it good. Because we know, God, that salvation comes from you. Yes. So we're now at point three. I know this kind of seems like the end, but we've got a little bit further to go. And I just want you to take that and I want you to claim it and we'll we'll walk out with that. But point number three comes full circle for us. Point number three, Jonah gets spit out on a beach by this whale. And there he is in Nineveh. And chapter three, verse 10 says, so he preaches to Nineveh, and he, he says, repent. He looks back at his past, I imagine, and say, says, I just prayed this prayer. I repented. Nineveh, here's what you need to do. You need to repent. You need to, you need to turn from your wicked ways, and you need to move forward. And then in verse uh, 10 in chapter 3, it says, when God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring destruction that he had threatened. Which is why point number three in your, in your bulletin is going to be, God is merciful, and we must be merciful. In chapter four, we learn one last lesson from Jonah. We learn that, you know, as usual, God should be the example in our lives, and when we choose to follow our own path, things fall apart. Jonah, like, he just learned this lesson, right? He just learned that I need to follow God, And when I follow God, things will turn out the right way. And if I don't, I might literally get swallowed by a fish. So he goes to Nineveh and he preaches and they turn from their wicked ways and they repent and God is merciful. And that really makes Jonah mad. It really rubs him the right way because he's been such a great guy. Of course God should be merciful to him. But the Ninevites were wicked. Why would God be merciful to them? And as I'm reading this, like it's hitting, it's hitting my heart because there's so much division in the world today, right? And of course, I deserve mercy because I'm, I'm on the good side, right? But what about those who are wicked and evil on the other side? Like, they don't deserve God's mercy. They don't deserve God's goodness. God, come on, you're supposed to bring the judgment, right? What about Sodom and Gomorrah? Come on, those are, they're wicked, but that's not God's heart. God was merciful. And as He was merciful, we also need to be merciful. I know that this is tough, and you know that it's tough, and Jonah knows it, and God knows it too. But that's why God gave us an example like this a hero, if you will, like this one that shows all the flaws. I identify with Jonah because he's so clearly imperfect in the story, and I am so clearly imperfect in my life. You don't have to be perfect to save a village. You don't have to be perfect to save a whole city or to to save the sailors on the ship. You just have to be willing to get out of your comfort zone and listen to what God has for you to do. The last point today is that God is more interested in developing your character than he is in creating your comfort. And at the end of the story of Jonah, God builds this little plant for Jonah, right? It's like a little tree. In my mind, it's like a little vine with like one banana leaf on top. It's not biblical. I don't understand why I think that. Maybe it was like a story when I was a kid. It's like one little vine with a banana leaf that just offers him this perfect amount of shade. He's on the beach. He's in Nineveh. He's hanging out. He's mad at God. But God gave him this little shade, and he's happy about it. And then the next day, the shade dies. And there's a lesson there for Jonah that he cares more about the shade dying than he cared about the entire population of Nineveh dying. And God says, look, you know what I care more about than your comfort." Is teaching you finally again and again and again that I want you to be like me I want you to love mercy I want you to care about people and I don't really care if you have to get uncomfortable to do it as a matter of fact I want you to be uncomfortable while you do it grow stretch yourself make yourself better and show people my love that's the message here from God. God cares so much more about developing our character than letting us stay comfortable, and he shows us that through Jonah. Bruce, can you go ahead and give me just a little bit of, you know, that vibe music? As we close, let's look at, let's look at James. Let's go, let's go to the New Testament, and in James chapter 1, verses 2-5, through 5, it says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds. And in many kinds here, he means like anything. You could stub your toe, you could get in a fight with someone you love, or you could be swallowed by a fish. There's so many different types of trials, but we know that God wants to use those discomforts to bring us closer to him. to make us us more like him. So when we face trials, we should consider it joy. I love this chapter in James. It's like one of my favorite pieces of the entire Bible. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. We don't know what happens to Jonah after this story we don't hear much about him in the rest of the bible and in my mind I like to believe that he learned his lesson there in Nineveh after the the plant died and he realized that it was his destiny to go share the gospel to help people repent and turn from their wicked ways but then when I look in the mirror I think like I bet he still had a lot of learning left to do I bet he did good for a bit and then forgot what God said and then was reminded and did good for a bit and then forgot what God said over and over and over. That's sanctification, right? The turning to God more and more and more, over and over and over. My prayer this morning for you and for myself is that the lessons can be easy to learn and that our hearts can be soft and that when God teaches us something and he says, come, run after me, we listen. That we don't have to pay the fare over and over and over for choosing to disobey. James... 1.5 says, and it finishes with this, if any of you lacks wisdom, right? because we all know Jonah lacked some wisdom, or else he would not have done what he did again and again. And I lack wisdom too. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Can you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, give us the wisdom to follow you. Give us the wisdom to clearly hear your voice and to reject comfort in your name. God, let us show others your mercy. Let us get out of our comfort zones and reach out to others in need in your name, even if and especially if we feel like they don't deserve it. God, let us comfort sailors in distress Let us reach out to Ninevites in our lives who are in need. And God, when we act like Jonah, remind us to leap overboard towards you. God, be with us. Use us in your name and for your glory. In Jesus' name. And God, as we go today, we pray that you bless us and you keep us. And you make your face shine upon us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Didn't he do good? Thank you, Jared.